Hey there, Sense of Soul listeners. This is Kelly Sparta. You probably remember me from the January episode on Spirit Doctor. Shanna and Mandy and I have been talking and we're going to partner up and they're being kind enough to put out my new program. And so if you are a spiritual seeker who is further along in your process, if you are someone who is looking at all the programs that are out there and going, oh God, what? I've seen all these before. I've done this a million times. Where's the next level? Well, here's the next level. I do a program called Evolve with Sacred Energetics that is specifically for intermediate to advanced level students. It is a custom designed program where you work with me to custom design not only a program that'll fill in any gaps that you've missed along the way, but also where we work on taking you to where you want to go and what the next things are that you want to learn. So if you're interested in that, go to mysenseofsoul.com and click on the link or hit the link in the show notes and sign up for a discovery call to see if this is going to be a good fit for you. I would love to talk to you. Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have this Dr. Barbara Della Pitsay. She is an internationally recognized coach leadership development expert, and is the author of the memoir, The Unexpected Gift, a true life story of a woman's journey of self-discovery and renewal after the implosion of her marriage. Dr. Barbara holds a PhD in ontology from the University of Hong Kong, a master's in counseling from Monash University in Australia, and a postgraduate certificate that she got in Italy. Dr. Barbara has extensive personal and professional experience on the subject of self-evolution, conscious leadership, where she has helped and inspired individuals, entrepreneurs, and leaders to reconnect with their most profound and authentic essence, discovering their purpose, and bringing about a positive change in their lives and in the world. And we are super excited to have Dr. Barbara on with us today. Hi. Hi, Barbara. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. So where are you? Country? I am, I am currently in Italy. I am oh. in Italy. What about you, ladies? We're in Colorado. So it's morning here. It's 1030. Yeah. Beautiful. Italy. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. Della Pizza. How lucky are you to have such a fun last name? You have no idea. It was such a trouble when I was a kid to have that last name. Really? Yes. What does it mean? My ancestors, they were merchants in Venice. And so it means from fabric, from pieces of fabrics. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's... So oh my first gosh. of all, you are a doctor of ontology. You were, you were in Hong Kong when you, when you went to college. You've been all over the world. But what is your PhD in and what is that about? Yes, the, uh, ontology is a branch of philosophy. And uh, okay. it is uh, the, let's say, is the, the study of the structure of the human being. Um, okay. On in Greek meant to be. So it is the study of how human being um, structure let's put it this way so there is a lot of uh, investigation of how things are how um, human beings actively uh, interact and uh, think and 
and how they are in the world, how they move in the world. And uh, it is really studying in depth what the nature of being is. It's quite interesting. <laughs> wow, that does sound interesting because I'm always saying there should be a degree on like the spiritual anatomy of the body. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you on that. I agree. You know, I mean, because we're so concerned with the physical. So I like this. So this would be more like the study of the mind and like how we relate to each other. Um, it is really a study of how uh, the human beings show up in the world. It is a little bit deeper than the study of the mind because it is okay. really how um, the structure, the existential structure of uh, a human being is. Why I'm fascinated by it, because it really has helped me understand at a deeper level um, how we approach the world, the phenomena that we see in the world, what do they mean for us, what is the meaning that we give to them, how do they potentially impact who we are and the way we are in the world, the way we interact with people. And uh, for me, it has always been quite interesting. Let me let me give you a way of looking at it. I was I studied architecture for a couple of years at the university before moving to studying philosophy and particularly ontology. And the reason I did that, I changed because when I was studying architecture, they were teaching me how to build houses. What, what do I need to build a house? I need. I was looking at the material that constitute a house, how these materials goes together in order for the, the house to stand, and uh, uh, the mathematics behind it, what are the forces that keep the house in, in place, and everything that I needed to be able to put together to make a house and, and make it that it stands, right? So that people can live in it. And I remember thinking, I don't care much about how to build a house for human being. I don't, I'm not really interested in what are the materials that constitute this house. I'm more interested in understanding the materials that constitute a human being before building a house for the human being. And that's when I realized that's too early for me to learn how to build a house. Let me understand how the person that will inhabit those houses is made, what it's the person about. And so philosophy for me was this uh, groundwork on understanding the nature of the human being. And, wow. uh, and, and within that, then there was psychology, there's uh, the spiritual work, there was understanding uh, more and more about all the components of the human being. <laughs> That's a great story. I, and I love how you were led from one area to the next through you know, through that kind of awakening of wait I don't care about the house I want to know about the human I love that that's a that's a cool story on how you found your purpose um, can I ask that while you went into this first of all why did you choose to go to college in Hong Kong and second of all it seems like a, a degree that would force you to really also look at yourself yeah Actually, my college degree, I, I studied in Italy and in Germany. My PhD is the one that I uh, did in Hong Kong. And it happened that I was there uh, because I was interested in learning more about the world. And it just happened the the, the opportunity came from 
Hong Kong. I didn't choose Hong Kong per se. I just wanted to start exploring the world outside of Italy. And for me, any countries would do because for me, it was just a passion to learn, to learn about diversity. And the opportunity came with Hong Kong and it was amazing because Hong Kong is a a melting pot of everything is the New York used to be now it's a little bit different, but it used to be the New York of Asia, smaller dimension than, than New York, but it is the similar, similar concept. And so I, I loved it there in Hong Kong, I encounter all kinds of people with all kinds of background, cultural background, social background, educational background. And that, as you said, Mandy, indeed questioned my identity. Because okay. I was arriving in Hong Kong as an Italian, brought up in Italy, traveled in Europe, yes, did some holiday here and there, but as to who I am, I was still defined by being Italian, and that was all I knew about myself. But when mm -hmm. I arrived in Hong Kong, people that were so different from me, they, they were thinking differently, they were giving importance to different things, they had different values. And so I decided to open up and, and decide to question myself as to what I believed in, what I, what my values were. And, and I wanted, I had an opportunity either to be close and decide, no, who I am, it's great. And that's it. Or open up and be questioned by diversity, which I chose to do, and then decide who I wanted to be and what I was choosing in a more conscious way, my values, what I was standing for and and that was an amazing experience. Not easy, not easy, but really nourishing, I have to say. It's got to be a tad intimidating also to go to a completely different country where you do not speak their language and where you're learning and you're getting this PhD on interpersonal communication and how people interact and how they show up in the world. I would be so scared and intimidated because of the differences especially the language barrier. How did you overcome that? And did you learn the language? Actually, you know, Hong Kong uh, the, the, is bilingual. So they speak both Cantonese and English as the official language. And so, no, I was not worried about it, but I was more excited and I had more curiosity about what I was about. I would have discovered than fear of not being ready for it. And probably that was a little bit risky. <laughs> I just started to immerse myself in that reality. I didn't know English very well at the time. That is funny, I think, because I didn't know many people. Actually, I didn't know anybody in Hong Kong when I arrived. I moved there with my then husband. And uh, because I needed to find a job, discover the place and learning the language, I started going into banks asking questions so that they would answer me. And so I would have like 20 minutes free English chat. <laughs> and so I started going into shops, ask questions, as you would do when you are a shopper. Yeah. <laughs> but no intention of buying things, but with the intention of learning and speaking with people. And that actually was quite funny and, and it helped very much to get me started in this. I love new that. <laughs> yeah, you, you actually speak good. Yeah, you do. And you, I mean, you really you. did immerse yourself then. You went in fearless. Like I'm putting myself out there to learn. That's so great. Yes. I mean, you also went to Australia. Was that a before or after? Because you also did study, you studied um, counseling. 
I, I, it was after I spent uh, several years in Hong Kong and then life took me to Australia and it was in Sydney and I loved it. It was so beautiful. It's a great country, great environment, completely different lifestyle compared to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is sad. is like, um, the pace, the rhythm of the city, very intense, very highly paced. People are stressed and because they work long hours, the, the density of population is very high. So it was a completely different feeling. Sydney people are relaxed. They go to work, but they enjoy the beach life as well. So I remember one morning I am a, an early riser. I decided to go to the beach very early because I wanted to meditate and just have a moment before starting my day. And I decided, you know what, six o'clock, I will be at the beach and I'll have my coffee and my time there. Ladies, I arrived there and the world was at the beach already. <laughs> Jogging, swimming, surfing. It, it yeah, looked like yeah. 12 p.m. for them. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> I've learned something new about people in Sydney. <laughs> so oh, I like that. They're early risers trying to get all they can out of, out of nature in the day. Absolutely. So yes, that's, that's was uh, interesting. Very interesting for the soul as well, given that uh, your podcast is sense of soul. Of course there was value in both. And at the same time, I loved Hong Kong because I, it was so exciting and stimulating from many different respects. And so it was a little bit uh, challenging at first to move from Hong Kong space to Sydney space because it is, it is slower. It was slower and uh, it took a little bit of time and it, it actually helped to focus on different, um, on different aspects of life. I see value in both of them. At that time, I would say that I probably preferred a little bit more the asshole of Hong Kong than uh, than the quieter and more relaxed time in, in of Sydney. Eventually, um, I appreciated both worlds. So when you were going through college, you, you mentioned your husband at the time. Yes. And I, your experience with your husband and where you are today or is a big part of your journey. Do you mind sharing that pain? No, absolutely not. Actually, my ex-husband, because we have divorce and the experience of the divorce is a big part, as you say, of my journey. And it is uh, thanks to that experience that I did not choose. And it was extremely painful because um, it was uh, his decision to walk out of the marriage without uh, giving me any special reason for doing that. And it was the famous out of the blue moment for me after I graduated from my PhD, I got a degree. Actually, it was, it was a shock. It was traumatic. It happened one in, in, uh, in Australia. So that was, uh, definitely something difficult to, to face. Um, and that was an, another level at which life invited me to explore myself. So the first first step was meeting diversity and meeting all these different cultures in Hong Kong and then in Sydney and in Australia and traveling around. And this was the real second deeper step where I it forced me and it invited me actually uh, to really explore who am I now? Because when this happened and it, it exploded uh, in my life, it was something I didn't want. And, uh, 
the question was, okay, now who am I? Because before I, I, I found myself, as I said before, in diversity in a certain form. I was married. I was a married woman traveling the world with my husband, building my career. And I had a future and I had a vision. I wanted a family. And suddenly all of these disappeared. And it happened suddenly, as I said. And therefore I had uh, no new image of what my future could look like, of who could I be then in the future if I'm not a married woman that will have kids because for me at that moment that was done that that that, that future that vision that image of it it was gone and so i had to patiently um discover i accepted this invitation from life again and i started my journey of discovery okay who are you who can you be what are parts of yourself that you have not discovered yet and that this situation is invited you to discover and to bring forward. Um, what are you, what, what, what is actually your own dream? What can you imagine for yourself? What do you want to do and how can you, can you build that? So those questions were questions that I had to address willingly yeah, or not. Those are all good. Those are all good questions. I think we all should address married or not. But did you find that the conditions around the world, because I know you went to many, many places, not just Australia and, um, and Hong Kong, but did you find that the conditions were pretty much worldly as in, you know, women, you know, being the mother, staying home, having like that just typical sitcom, fa sitcom family? Yeah. Um, thank you for the question. Actually, that was it made very clear how the tradition I was coming from and biases at that as a woman I had lived within without even knowing it. Um, they, they were responsible of, of the idea I've had. That was the life and the future that I've seen developed from, from so many people and experiences. So I never thought of anything that could be completely different than it is as my life ended up being. And so I realized, and that that's again, a great um, insight that I, that I found out thanks to that experience. But uh, I realized how this culture, or at least my culture where I was coming from and who I was, was very much determined by this view of a woman and a family of a certain kind. In China, for example, it's a little bit different because the women do want to get married and get kids before 30, because that's what society invites them to do. At the same time, there is a stronger sense of career than, for example, where I was coming from, that was not just career, career and being successful and making money. It was more the value of the family and having kids and everything. So China, I, from my experience, was a little bit different in this sense, right? So there was perhaps a little bit more focus on the career, but at the same time, you need to cover the being married and having kids, right? So in Australia, I would say the steel family, woman married with kids is very strong. It is very strong. And then we have uh, Europe, very traditional in general. This is from my experience, right? And then the US, <laughs> Perhaps my experience showed me that there are there is the most variety of format. For me, I had and I still am doing the work of actually opening up and see that there are so many 
different ways in which a woman can actually be uh, empowered and living her purpose. That it is not the one of uh, just being a mother, just because we can be mothers, although not everybody can, but at least physically we have the chance to become, to become a mother. That doesn't mean that this defines us. And this is, a, this is something that I had to start uh, thinking anew because my culture where I was brought up, the way I was brought up, it was never a question, right? And so that is quite interesting because I believe that today, many women, not, not all the women, of course, but many women do not realize, as it was for me then, that there are other options and that, that there are other ways in which uh, a woman can fulfill herself, not necessarily by being a mother biologically, for example. Right. Um, And I'm thinking thinking of women that for some uh, medical reasons, they cannot have kids. And sometimes they suffer too much for this because it seems like the purpose of a woman is to be a mother. And if you're not a mother, you are not uh, a a full woman. Right. It is very powerful that. And I had to learn it for myself. And I think that it is liberating the, to start thinking that there are many ways in which a woman is fully a woman. And for example, not necessarily if you don't have kids, it doesn't mean that you are a lesser woman. Whereas uh, the risk might be that women, we think that that's too important for the, the identity of a woman, right? And I would like mm-hmm. to, to say that it is very important and it is not because there are also many other ways in which we can fulfill our call, who we are and what we want to be and the contribution we want to make in the world, even if we are not mothers biologically, at least. I don't know what your view on that is. I feel like I've lived on both ends now. I spent the beginning of my life, much like you, watching generations of mothers, you know, being mothers, very very much mothers and that's all you are. And so that's what I was. And I have two generations of kids into, you know, I have kids from 24 to nine. So now that, I mean, sense of soul is really the first thing I had for myself. I mean, even with my other jobs, I mean, it was always revolved around my children, period. You know, I only worked on these days. I only worked at this time period for my children. And then, um, or I only worked for even my father for years and years because I could bring my children with me. So it still was about the children, right? It still was about the mother was priority. Now I have sense of soul and I am as passionate about it. And one of the things that I discovered in this journey, finding my sense of soul is that I wasn't just a mother. Mm. And I wasn't just a wife or a daughter or, you know, a friend. I was more than that. And, um, and this was all within myself. It had nothing to do actually without, you know, outside of me, even my children. And so now I'm pushing back on what I was for so long because now they're looking at me like, what? You can do these things for yourself right? Like you can do this and it's okay that I have something for myself. I should, as you should, as you should, right? I think that what you're saying is so 
I am totally with you, totally with you. And I think that a great contribution for, for women and really to reconnect with the soul, with the core, with our deepest nature, which is so much more, yes, being mothers is important. And there is so much, much more about us that we can express and that we can show. And it doesn't need to be all encompassing being a mother. Of course, when you have kids and you know better than I do, you do need to devote a lot of attention to them because they need, they are new creature and that's fine. And I think that we don't want to forget that we are much more than that as, as women. I found recently, I was having a conversation with a very large man, like he's very manly. He's like six, eight, just this big human. And I was talking to him one day when I was picking up my daughter from school and I said, how are you? And he asked me, you know, how I am and what I do. And I asked him, what do he do? He does. And his head kind of just dropped. And he said, I'm a stay at home dad. And I could tell that he had some shame around it. And it even kind of caught me off guard because automatically the way I've been conditioned, I thought, oh, well, that's so odd. And so then I, I kind of jumped into conversation with him and he said he feels like he's judged for it. And he also said sometimes he judges himself for it. And then I was talking to a dentist yesterday uh, that I went to who just opened up her own practice and she was getting together with some women in the neighborhood and they said to her, your husband makes very good money because they live in a, a mansion. They said, why would you choose to not be home with your children and to work? And she said she was completely taken back by it. So you can see in both of those examples, these conditions, but I do see that it's shifting. Yeah. Yeah. And I so much agree with you. And particularly going back to this, this man, I think that also the tradition has uh, constrained men and their identity has reduced it, actually. It is too narrow. And uh, also for men, they, they, they need uh, the opportunity to expand beyond the tradition beyond the tradition and and they are also not they don't know how to do it i am sure many men don't know how to do it as many women don't know how to do it and that's the beauty of it if we can collaborate and have a conversation about these uh, uh, this tradition and these con conditions and and the way we are used to think about men women and uh, the role in society i think we need uh, we need to liberate there is a need from people to actually express themselves. And there is a willingness also to discover more about who am I. And uh, there is a lot of experimenting. There is a lot of, in my, in my opinion, a desire to authentically express what I am experiencing about myself. And even if I don't know what that exactly is, uh, there is a... It is an expression of the need of actually expressing myself and not being the, the, the feeling of being constrained and some identities, realities, society, culture that I don't feel like 
they represent me because they have been narrowed down too much. There is now collectively, <laughs> it seems to me, at least uh, the desire to actually break free at some level, right? And so I think that the also this uh, becoming very sensitive to diversity is uh, an opportunity to actually go ahead and express yourself. Maybe you are not a black man or a black woman, but you have always hidden part of yourself uh, that you didn't feel free to express. And now the fact that, for example, Me Too movement or Black Lives Matters, all these start to open up, then okay it gives me it gives courage to okay let me let me make one step towards expressing something that because of my tradition has never been permitted so let me tiptoeing into expressing it i think that there is a need of being seen i used to go into prisons with young teens and host aa meetings and i can remember a lot of them basically saying that they joined gangs or chose to be gang gang affiliates because that was how they were choosing to express themselves so that they could be seen it it came down to exactly what you just said they were trying to be seen and that's just happens to be the path that they chose because they weren't being seen by their parents. They hadn't been seen by um, society correctly and they weren't willing to fall into how the other teenagers were acting to be seen and they didn't know where to fall. And that just happened to be where they did. So you're, you know, it really does. It comes down to a lot of um, ways we choose to express ourselves is to be seen. And, and I think it was Camus um, that was saying that until somebody sees us, we do not exist. You guys would love this. There's this book that I got for my daughter. It's called Mommy and Me. It's like an art book and you do it together. So she gets to draw on one side, I get to draw on the other. And there's these challenging questions that makes you look at and like drawing your emotions or looking at the positive things about yourself, the negative things about yourself. It's just really been amazing and really helpful for her and I. And one of the things last night, what is something that you're proud of yourself about? Like, how would you give yourself an award? Is it that you're good at this or this? And it was going through all these examples, but it also used um, being empathetic as a, something good about you. My daughter is quiet. You know, I, I, I this has been heavy on my heart over the past months. So I talked about this a lot in my podcast, but so what? right? But people want to pull her out, pull her out. They see being outgoing as such a positive thing and being quiet, not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. We do need to give ourselves permission to be. Yeah. And so if she's quiet, finding value and being quiet and not comparing with being outgoing, but just, uh, actually to slow down and in, in order to appreciate a person that is quiet you need to be refined in the way that you are sensitive and you perceive the other person you need to be sophisticated in a way you are able to pay attention to certain details to to certain way of being of the other person so of course being quiet sometimes is more challenging than for others outgoing there is a lot of noise right and so you can be hiding mm -hmm. yourself but when a quiet yeah. person is there it calls you out and so mm -hmm. being a quiet person as it been outgoing we are different but being a quiet person 
it is demanding also for other people because somehow it calls you on your authenticity, I think, right? It calls other people out and so an intense way of being that uh, the person who is quiet needs to learn to express and to manage also other people around because they might feel uncomfortable because they don't know how to feel themselves, right? So, so true. Yeah, because a quiet yeah. person or an introverted, whatever you want to call them, creates the space, right? Yes. That can be uncomfortable for someone who is not. Yeah, that's for sure. That's, that's amazing. It's so true. Hey, Sense of Soul listeners, sorry for the interruption, but we have some exciting news to share. Shanna and I have decided to offer an affiliates page on our website to our guests that we have had on. Then it makes it easy for you, our listeners, to find programs and professionals that align with you. Yes, it's so easy. Just go to our website, mysenseofsoul.com, and on our homepage, click the Network of Lightworkers Affiliates. Then scroll and simply click on your favorite guest. From there, use the code under the guest that they have made particular to them and sign up or simply tell them that Sense of Soul has sent you. We have been so excited to announce our new ongoing partnerships with some of our amazing guests. Sense of Soul, Shanna and I will earn a commission for our endorsement and recommendation to their product or their service from this affiliates page. Your purchase will help support Sense of Soul in our purpose, bringing amazing episodes twice a week to our listeners all around the world. We want to take this opportunity to thank you, our participating affiliates and listeners for your support. Oh, and don't forget that we have a Patreon. Patreon is a platform where we have special exclusive content for Patreon members. Just download the free Patreon app and search Sense of Soul. Then pick your tier that resonates best with you unlocking exclusive content like mandy and i's exclusive mini series only on patreon our monthly sense of soul sacred circles patreon also has exclusive merch we have polls on fun topics bloopers workshops and even early releases of episodes it is also an amazing way to build our community and interact intimately with our listeners check it out we love and appreciate you all so much now back to our amazing guest you talk a lot about conscious leadership would you say that what shanna did with this coloring book and what this journal this art journal has done and creates with her and her daughter can be considered conscious leadership as a mother within her home and as your career and what you do, I know you kind of take it more on a, um, a career level, but can this conscious leadership happen at home, as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a daughter, as a boss, as an employee? Where does this conscious leadership fit in? Actually, um, thank you for pointing this out. Conscious leaders and conscious leadership, I consider it yes in business and at the same time in life because to me we do all have the potential to be conscious leader and we want to be conscious leader in our life in what we do at home if we are as we said before stay-at-home mom or dad or we we have a family life and we have put our career on all or something like that for me being a conscious leader means to have developed that ability 
to, first of all, within yourself, to be able to notice what's going on around you, well, what's going on in you, first of all, and, and be able to manage and evolve in, in yourself. And then be aware and conscious about the different kind of people you are interacting with. What is their mode? What are they showing up uh, with? What do they bring to the table? What do they bring to the conversation? How can you appreciate them? How can you enhance who they are? And being aware that to, to be a conscious leader, you want to be able to see, perceive, notice, sense all that is going on around you and act accordingly with integrity towards your value and also respecting because you have seen it the values of other people and trying to bring their talent and what they can contribute out there in the open and have it serve the community the family the business the organization no matter where you are so for me leadership is a matter first of all of self-leadership and by managing yourself and learning about yourself and doing the inner work of leadership, then you can move on to become a conscious leader in the way I've said, which has nothing to do per se, in my perspective, in my view, with being a leader in an organization. But you can be a leader at home within your family, with your extended family, uh, in the school of your kids, uh, in, any, in any environment. That is the quality of leadership I'm talking about. That is based on the quality of humanness. Thank you for stating that. I don't think people ever think of leadership as self-leadership. They never think of it as, you know, leading yourself. And that's what's most important. Yeah. We need to start from there. Being a leader is uh, influencing others, but not because you push them to do something, but because people want to be part of your world and want to follow you, you as a role model, as an example. Tell me, if we had more leaders around and, and take the, the, the concept of leadership and as it is well-developed in organization and take it into life, then we can really make a difference wherever we are. Because we start to look at each other as leaders in the sense that we can make it, a, and we can have an impact, we can contribute, we can actually make a difference wherever you are. But to do that, we need to do our inner work, the inner work of yeah. leadership. You know, it's so funny because that word leader just sometimes sounds like, especially later, lately when it comes to like political leaders and stuff, it sounds almost ugly to me because it's always about like, look at me, look what I've done. Look how good I've done. Follow me because I do good. I do good. I, you know, and it's really in everyone's perception, you know, um, and in their own experiences, how they look and see the world. Yes. In my mind, the, the leaders I'm thinking and I'm looking at to evolve myself as a person, as a contributor to society, to the world, are actually those individuals that make a big difference for people. I'm thinking in this moment, Martin Luther King Jr. But also there are now, and I'm so happy about it, interesting stories of women. I'm passionate about the story yes. of women because I, I think we need, we women, we do need women role models and they have not been as visible. And uh, I think that what's happening now, we they become more visible and it, it feels good to have role models that are women that we can follow and they have integrity. Uh -huh. Who one of mine is, is Mother Cabrini. Wow, she's Italian. 
Yeah. Do you know her story? No. I, okay, I, I'd love to share because please. I feel like she is one of those people that we should know, um, especially here in America. She was sent over in the late 1800s because yellow fever. And there was a large portion of Italians, especially in New Orleans, was where they first came, and New York. And so the Pope sent them over because the children, their parents were dying, kind of like much like COVID, where the kids didn't get it. It was really the adults. So he sent her over here, and she was one of 11 And most of them were very ill in her family. And she was very little, tiny lady. And she was not always healthy herself, you know, had fought a lot of diseases and stuff. So she comes here and she went to New Orleans and she opened up an orphanage, which is still there. And there's a high school there. You can actually visit like her room, her Bible. They still kept everything sacred. But then she went from New Orleans to all over the United States, even here in Colorado, we have a statue and a church that honors her because she went all the way to California. We're talking in the early 1900s, this little lady, one lady, and opened up schools and orphanages all over, made it all the way back to Chicago where she is cantonized. You can actually see her body, but she died, I think around in her 60s. This little lady, one lady, made such a difference. And she also, I believe, started the um, sac- the Sacred Heart, um, yes. the nuns, okay? And so she had all of these ideas of what she wanted them to do, and the sisters then carried that forward. She, her dream was to then go to Africa. But one woman, you know... And we're not talking, like, on an airplane or no. even on a horse... No, you know, maybe on train, you know, I mean, little resources, just one person can make such a difference. Yeah, you are so right. And I think it is for so powerful to be remembered this that we remember that allow me to say it is within human beings. So within men as well, allow me to just point out it about mm-hmm. women right now. But there is a richness of resources that we are, not only we have, that if we only learn to tap into those resources, recognize them first, give ourselves permission to express them and give voice to that, we can really, we can really make a difference and we can really change because that's who we are. And there is so much goodness and beauty in everybody men women all kinds of people what we have not learned to do enough i think is to actually recognize those resources use them and express them to serve others and not only ourselves i think that that's a a skill that we want to get back on and learn how to do that it is too powerful to miss over this you know unfortunately most of the women that were role models were role models for their looks when I was growing up. And I find that my daughters look up to women as role models who are also famous for their looks or their fashion or all of the above. And that's sad. I I can remember Madonna. She actually had a song called express yourself. 
And it was about women stepping out and learning to express themselves. And she was truly one of my idols. I mean, she was not afraid to express herself physically, sexually. She was doing things way before our time as far as expressing her, her love for interracial relationships, bisexual relationships. I mean, that woman really expressed herself and she was really either loved for it or judged for it. <laughs> I don't know where I sit with the fact that that was my idol from age 10 all the way into my <laughs> 20s, but yeah. there was something to be said about Madonna breaking out and saying, women, express yourself. <laughs> yes. yes. It is true that a lot of teenage girls now choose role models that have to do with their look. And I think that that's, from one side, that's okay, because people, the, the women that are good looking, that are, that they are showing off their beauty and that's fine. I think that what's missing is the part of women that don't think they are as good looking, because there are so many good looking women, right? That, that, that part needs to become more visible and make the effort to break through and say, you know what? Yes, I'm not perfect. I do have few pounds more. My nose is not perfect. I do have some lines and all these kind of things. And I do have something to say and I do have something to give. So let me step up. And I think that this is the part that is, uh, we need to learn to do. I am learning to do it. Everybody I, that I know is making an effort. Many women are. I think we need yeah. to get better at that. What do you well, think? Well, see, don't you feel like if we knew that we had more than a meat suit right here, that maybe we would, you know, even understand to connect on that level? That's why I said I think it's so important that we're teaching the anatomy of spirit because that will help people understand that yeah, sure. Your body may be beautiful, but you are much more than this body. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and in fact, the work I am most passionate about, I use a metaphor to describe it. I think you will appreciate it. And what I think everybody should do, right? Let's think about for a moment, a watch, a beautiful watch. I like Pate Philippe. So I, I use that always. And they have a glass and it is a see-through and the see-through um, when you look into that, you see all the engines, all the tiny little parts that constitute the watch. You see the little pieces that are combined together, the, the circle one that work together, the engines, and they are very beautiful, clean, they, the movement is smooth, and you can distinguish each part. So this is the work we want to be able to do, distinguish all the engines that constitute our inner side, as you said, from the soul up. And, and if, if there are pieces that are a little bit, uh, that needs to be updated or they need to be dust, dusted or they are a little bit rusty and we need to clean them, we want to do that so our inner movement is smooth and then we have uh, the freedom to let things flow and we do not have to pay too much attention once we have done this work to ourselves and we can contribute because our inner engine is working so well and so powerfully. Yes, we need to take care of the, the fact that it continues to do that, but once that's done, then we have no problem in expressing ourselves because the inside makes us feel beautiful. The confidence is high. We know that we have something to say and to give and we do it. So I, just to give a metaphor of what we are talking about. Self-love. It's what Nancy and I feel like is the key to everything yeah. is finding that love, you know, to take care of yourself, to keep those gears moving. Yes, yes, yes. 
you know, a lot of people, including myself until I got sober and really did the work, didn't understand what the word integrity means. I have my own little definition, but I'm, I'm curious if you were to define the word integrity, how would you define it? For me, integrity has to do with, uh, be faithful to yourself and what you know you are standing for. So for the level of knowledge I have of who I am and what I value and what I stand for, I act and behave accordingly so that I am aligned with those values and what I believe in. So integrity does have to do with authenticity, in my opinion, and it has to do with uh, do I know myself enough? And for the level of knowledge I have on myself, am I aligned? Do I behave according to what I think is important for me in my life and the people I care? That's level one. It doesn't have to do with uh, what I do is right and, and there is this way of doing this and your way, you are, you're not right. It really, integrity has to do with me and myself and my value and what I decide to stand for. I love that you said, how well do I know myself? Because if you don't take the time to get your, to really know yourself, then you really don't know what your true values and morals are. So then you cannot possibly have that true integrity. So I, I love that. And, and allow me to add, though, that integrity doesn't mean that I have a fixed identity that I need always to conform to. But in time, I, I am constantly aligned with myself and who I am and what I believe in can change. But is the alignment to what I believe that makes me live in integrity? So I'm, I'm, I don't want to suggest okay. that there is one way of being and that's it. And if you're not that, you're not in integrity. And I noticed in your, I think it was the bio, the email that we got, that one of the topics that you talk about is self-evolution. And is that what you mean? Yes, self-evolution, because there is so much that we do not know about who we are. The life we have is the time we have to explore and find out and not even everything, right? And so that's exactly what I mean. We want to continue evolving the discovery and in, in expanding what we know and what we feel about ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, how we see ourselves. And it is a constant work in progress. And it is at the same time whole in every moment. So there is wholeness and there is expansion in, in every moment. And it is a work in progress at the same time. Because otherwise you're just stagnant and evolving. And the whole, I believe that the whole point is to evolve. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And the more we evolve, the more we can encompass other reality, other people, welcome diversity, and we can choose to integrate what's different in who we are in our life, or we can just choose to see and appreciate it. And then we, we, we choose differently for ourselves. So I think that integrity has been a hard thing for the world for generations, trying to fit into the box rather than, you know, accepting themselves, you know, trying to follow the rules of religions and of you know society and so you know i've been we've been hearing this word a lot you know in the past years and i think it's a beautiful thing i mean like i truly want to be as genuine and aligned as i can it's not even for anybody else or anything other than i know that my life goes a lot smoother when i am 
Yeah. There's no resistance. Yeah. And, and I think that part of living in integrity is also the respect of what is different. Because uh, I know myself and I know the, the level of knowledge of myself that I have now and my values and I am aligned with that in order to constantly be in this uh, integrity within myself and at the same time in the authenticity is also for me to recognize that maybe you have uh, different values uh, and uh, you nonetheless are living in integrity with yourself and that doesn't mean however that we need to fight or be in conflict with each other right there is a, a respect that i can um, have towards you and not necessarily feeling the the need that you are like me and that you need to conform with me right and sometimes allowing for diversity to be is difficult it is challenging because uh, it gives you power if mm -hmm. i allow myself to be mm -hmm. and i allow you to be i do need to feel very comfortable in myself in order to be next to you who are different yeah. And, and instead of wanting you to confirm to me, so I'm fine if I compare, okay, she thinks like me, that's okay. I don't know if, if you understand what I mean. It, it, it is a yeah. level of uh, self-confidence that in yeah. my opinion is very important and healthy to have uh, when we are next to what is different. When we have role models at the top of the top that lack integrity, how do we as a society live within that space when we can't even trust the people that control our country. To me, that's when it becomes extremely important that I have developed an ability to actually think what's right and what is valuable for me. And even if you are a leader of a, a country or of a nation and uh, you are not uh, expressing the value or, or the ethics, as I in this moment I think about it, I don't take you as a role model to follow, but I take you as a model that helps me to distinguish uh, what ah. is actually important to me and what I'm not accepting. So okay. I think that trust in the political leaders or not is something that I don't give away. It is something that needs to be cherished and earned. And I trust you as a political leader, not because you are on the top, I trust you, be that's my position, right? I trust you because you are actually showing me that what, in my case, as a person, are value to me and it is valuable, you are actually representing. I'm not following mm -hmm. you just because you have, elect you have been elected and you have won. I don't know, for me, it, it is more important that right now we need really a top quality of hum humanness and not uh, uh, a performer of some sort of uh, of political leadership, if it makes sense. Especially yeah. now, because so much has changed. We are still, um, situation is unsure. It is unclear where we are going. Countries suddenly have become localized and the globalization, it seems like, has completely changed, right? So even people at the top, they are. it is not taken for granted that people follow them. There are influences now. There are people that have a say that are not in traditional roles. So I think that more now than ever, we need to have quality people in position of power because and actual leaders, because uh, we really follow the person and we use a person as a role model.
if the person has nothing to say and it is unethical and it is the ego still playing out, I, I don't I don't follow you, even if you are uh, your life and the election put you on top. My role models. <laughs> yeah. In my book, I do speak about role models. And for me, role models are those people I can set on the shoulder of, as Nietzsche would say, and they help me to see further beyond me and believe in something that is greater and it is aligned with me. So I mm. want to choose carefully my role model. And I need role models because sometimes I cannot see beyond. In my case, when I was going through divorce and it was a traumatic experience, I love to think about uh, Nelson Mandela that he that they had to spend 27 years in prison and he could not express fully according to yeah. my perspective. But then, in fact, he did. I found role models in people that survived concentration camp situation. They showed me that bad and very difficult situation can be overcome. I love Thich Nhat Hanh. He's my role model. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love his teachings. Yes, we we choose people that actually expand. Who expand we are. our awareness. Yes, yeah. That's 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 the role model. That's people I want to listen to. I seriously can't listen to any of the others. <laughs> yeah, I seriously can't. It's like wow, it hurts my ears. So, Barbara, let's talk about your book. What was your hope in writing this book? When I was going through my experience, that it was very difficult and very uh, painful. Um, I have always loved book, but I couldn't find any story at the time and anybody that could tell me that the story will end well <laughs> and that there was uh, hope. And then even if the pain at the moment seemed unbearable and the situation seemed that it had no hope and no end, I wanted somebody to tell me, Barbara, you're going to be all right. I was there. You'll be all right. And I couldn't find it. And so I decided that I wanted to be that person from the future speaking to people that go through difficult moments like that. And I wanted to tell them my story and share how I went through it and what I was able to achieve. The, the title of the book is The Unexpected Gift, actually. So I didn't achieve anything. I was gifted a lot. <laughs> I was gifted a lot. So this was one reason why I decided to write it. And, and another reason is because when I was going through that, I realized that pain, it gives you kind of x-ray. So I was able somehow to have insights on, again, human beings, life, how we can become better people and how we can be different in our life that without that pain, I would have never realized. And so there were moments of such clarity and the transparency that I could see things through. It was amazing. And so I decided to write those moments down and, and eventually I put them together in the book. You know, I will say that we had on Eben Alexander who wrote a book that was placed in my hands when I was newly out of a coma in ICU. And that book was a gift to me because I didn't feel so alone in my pain and in my experience. It's so powerful that just a book of someone expressing that they've been where you're at so thank you for for sharing your your raw you know experience do you say pain is x-ray yes I, I love that it's like an x-ray it's transparent 
it made you go look within that I'm going to write that on a piece of paper. I love that. I, I'm thinking of like this x-ray. I had this visual. Pain helps us see through within reality and within, within relationship and within people because uh, the majority of us, we are used to think that we want to avoid pain. I'm not saying that we want to look for pain, but I'm saying that when life throws you in situations where that are painful, and that's what I did, you can actually leverage that pain and make it an x-ray on your self-reality and have a kind of a blessing in that moment to see through more than you will ever be able to. I have such a different relationship with pain. And I don't know if it's just something like once you awaken to it, that, you know, it changes something within you. But as soon as pain comes around and I feel it, I'm like, oh, hello. Hello, pain. What, what do we need? What, what are we lacking in our lives? Where am I not giving to myself where I should be, you know, what, whether it's water or just space, it's just a messenger. It's, it is an x-ray. I love that. Thank you. That's such a great message. Thank you. This is a great conversation. <laughs> I believe in the generative power of having a conversation because everybody brings something and something else comes out of it. So. Yeah, that's, that's really what I felt when I first was kind of reading over your bio and your, and what your book was about. I really felt that you understand and try to create understanding around how important it is to communicate and to have that interpersonal communication. Am I correct? I mean, I feel like communication is is where it's at. That's how we evolve and learn. Yes, I understand what you mean. And yes, at the same time, I would say more than communication is relationship. Communication is part of it, but we are used to the word communication and we think maybe what you say and what I understand, whereas the relationship, yes, you have communication, you have sensing, you have feeling, you have experiencing. So... Um, yes, all I do, it is how do we connect? How do we connect at a deeper level? And how do we build ourselves and our life around yeah. that connection that we choose the quality of? Well, and I think when you said that, I went back to Shanna's daughter. She teaches people that communication doesn't mean coming from your mouth with words. You can communicate with people with your energy with just sitting in stillness next to each other. You can connect by simply just being present with each other. So our society just needs to learn that what you said, Barbara, feel, you know, feel each other, connect. Experience. That's the journey, right? You evolve and you're, and you're expanding and understanding is expanding and but yes, yeah, you experience. Barbara, we label everything with our minds. We're in, instead of just being there and experiencing it, we always have to label it. Communication, it doesn't always have to be words. You're right, Mandy. Perfect example is that book that Kenzie and I do where it's just art, you know? So it could be so many beautiful things. We have to meet people where they're at too. Not everybody has the level of communication. I mean, I don't, I'm definitely, I have had issues with talking my whole life. So this has been a huge journey for me, the podcast, you know, and also being vulnerable and all that. And it's taught me so much. 
but I had to go through the experience and the connection, connecting with people. That's what really motivated me, my soul. Connection. How interesting. Connection. 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 So uh, Barbara in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I always, I've said this a million times, but um, they say that they're grateful alcoholics. And at first I wanted to punch them in the face. Cause I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> are you in a place now where you can look back at your story and that pain and say that you're, you're grateful for it? So I tell you, Mandy, when people dare to tell me during my journey, well, you, you'll be happy that this happened. You will be grateful for it. I would look at them and first I wanted to punch them at first. <laughs> yeah. And I said, and I used to say, I don't think so. I don't think so. I still don't conform to that statement. So I'm not grateful that that happened because this is not what I wanted for my life and I did not choose it. What I'm grateful for is that the way I chose to respond to the situation taught me a lot, many lessons. For those lessons, I'm grateful for. But there is a distinction. I would have been grateful of the lessons I would have even in that relationship and in that story. So I'm not grateful that this happened because it is not what I wanted. Now I'm grateful for what I've learned out of it. But there is a distinction. I understand that. Yeah. The, the <laughs> blessing and the lesson, like Mandy always says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been such yeah. a blessing i just enjoyed this conversation you're you're so positive wise and have just sweet yeah. energy and now it's time for break that shit down i would like to say that it doesn't matter how life looks like and doesn't matter what is actually happening i would like to invite all your listeners i do i invite myself every day to believe that there is always always goodness going on already and there is always a gift on its way to us and our lives and uh, if we don't see it it's just because we are not uh, sophisticated enough to recognize it but it is already on our way and it is always something positive that shows up. And so this has been my experience and that's the unexpected gift I'm talking about. So I invite uh, everybody to pay attention to the tiniest little things because that might be the gift that is on its mm. way. So the gift, I love that. Where can, where can our listeners find your book and where can they learn more about you? It is, uh, the book is on Amazon and it is called The Unexpected Gift, Emerging Anew After the Unthinkable. And um, you can find me on my website, which is my name, barbaradaleprezza.com or on LinkedIn. I am moving through Instagram, <laughs> learning how to do that. <laughs> I would just like to say that I am so in love with the meaning of your last name. And I think that we should end today on that note. You know what, people, we are all made from, from different fabric it feels different. It looks different. It has different colors all the way in our lineage and our ancestors and our experiences. So remember that, that all of us come from different fabric and all the fabric is beautiful. All of it. 
that that's the best best interpretation of my name that I've ever had and I will use it after years of thinking that it is horrible and I didn't want to say it. No, I, I thought of a quilt. Shanna does quilts. If you took a, quilt, a little tiny, you know, square of the fabric that we've all been born from, it would be the most beautiful quilt. Like the ones that you just throw together that make no sense are the most beautiful quilts, right? I yes. love those quilts. Yes. Thank you so much for this image. I will really carry it with me from this moment on. I feel like I connected with you today and with your story. So thank you for sharing and for coming on Sense of Soul. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It was really yeah. great. I really enjoyed yes. it. And yes, let's connect again. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.